Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. We had everything we needed, and it ran like clockwork. You could have shut your mouth, cooked, and made as much money as you ever needed. It was perfect. But no, you just had to blow it up. You and your pride and your ego. You just had to be the man. You'd done your job, known your place. We'd all be fine right now. Mike Ehrmantrot, Breaking Bad. Hey, kids. Jeff Hawkins here, riding solo on Shake Them Ropes. So I'll try and make it as short as possible because I know that one voice can often get monotonous. I like having the conversation of it. So all in happens in Wembley. Jack Perry comes out with a car. I knew as soon as it happened that windshield was breaking. What I didn't know was that Jack Perry was going to look into the camera and go, it's real glass, Crimea River. A homage a reference to the reported issue between punk and perry where punk dissuaded young mr perry from using real glass in a vignette so he could have a week off for a planned vacation a move i thought was smart because glass is weird and i thought it was smart as well if he hadn't have done it this past week because you looked at his arm he looked like he sliced himself pretty bad Yeah, because you don't know how it's going to crack, kids. But, of course, CM Punk is in what is often referred to as the gorilla position. Here's this. Getting ready to go out for his match because he's curtain jerking the pay-per-view. And uh, depending on what you believe, either he got in Perry's face or he started yelling at Perry when Perry got back there. Or Perry said something to Punk. Punk may have pie-faced him. Punk may have punched him. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Depending on who you talk to, Hobbs in the House of Black ready to go to war for CM Punk. Not sure about that either. All this happened in front of Tony Khan, who is currently investigating. Encyclopedia Brown is on the case. Bugs Beatty is... Just he's investigating, dude. It happened right in front of you. Either suspend them both, fire one, fire the other. But this, this crap, this screams lawyers to me. Possibly punks litigious, but or it screams management doesn't want to take a tough stance against an employee that they like. They don't want to be the bad guy, and if that's the case. Tony needs to just get a business person in there and run creative because this crap can't stand for much longer. 
Now I take a contrarian position as usual from the, uh, Oh, let's say the the well-trodden path. There's a lot of people in wrestling commentary who think that every company should be a hippie commune where everybody's equal. And I've worked now in big law. I've worked in entertainment. I've been in a fairly high-level locker room. UVA was number one the year before I got there for two weeks. Still number one. Jack Perry is a third-string defensive back starting a fight with the star running back. I'm sorry. The consequences are a little bit more weighted in favor of Punk. Jack Perry headlined a pay-per-view this year. Did nothing for him. If you recall, he actually crapped the bed when it was time for him to cut promos. That's why you have a guy like CM Punk and this company. Because he can headline a promo. He can talk you into the building. Now, look, not saying Punk's in the right here. Not at all. Punk needs to swallow this and get on with his life and be the grown-up in the room. I remain consistent with that. But my main question right now is what about the biggest pay-per-view biggest wrestling event in modern American history. What about the environment in AEW made Jack Perry think he could do that and get away with it? Now that's, that's a going into business for yourself move. And, and almost everybody who was in on this spot probably knew something was up. You don't rent a car and go, man, I wonder if glass is going to be broken. (laughs) glass is going to be broken but really for me it's about the fact that tony khan guy in charge the guy with the checkbook didn't drop the hammer on hangman adam page when he went off script and allowed it to fester and allow people to get mad now here is where everybody goes, well, you know what? If you punish Jack, if you fire Jack, which is something I had thought about, I had brainstormed that idea. Well, you're going to split the locker room. <laughs> Guys, the locker room's already split. You have your punk people and you have your not punk people. And it's like, okay, well, who who are you going to piss more off of? Piss more people, whatever side. Uh, we never thought about that when we were bringing Punk in because obviously the waters were, again, poisoned by the time he got there over the Colcabana stuff, which he probably wasn't responsible for. Tony probably did that on the sly and said, I'll explain it later or if anybody's feathers get ruffled, come to my office, have some M&Ms, we'll have a chat, we'll rap. Tony wants to be friends with the boys. And it doesn't work like that Uh, when you're the management. You can be friendly. You just can't be friends. You, You can be empathetic. You just can't be friends. You have to have that separation. Otherwise, it turns into office clicks. And then you got a whole new problem going on. I get that people don't want AEW to turn into WWE. But on the other side of that coin, when Vince McMahon 
gets angry, people listen. When people screw around, their sphincters tighten when Vince is angry about it. And it's not that Vince isn't empathetic at times either. He has he has a soft side to him, guys, and, and people who work for him will tell you that. But when it comes to the business, and once the lights go up on their show, there ain't no free balling out there. You hit your spots, you hit your cues, you hit the reactions you want, you hit your promos, or you don't get TV time again. And there's a long litany of people in catering who got a chance, dropped the ball, and are just sitting there under contract. That doesn't happen with Tony Khan. It's almost passive-aggressive in a way. Well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Well, we'll figure it out, et cetera, et cetera. It, it is a little too... I wouldn't say too many cooks, but... You know when you're sitting on a couch with someone you love or with friends or whatever and you want to go out to dinner and you're trying to pick a restaurant and nobody will make a strong decision but there's a lot of ideas that they have? Someone eventually has to lay the hammer down. That guy's Tony. And I don't know much about his managerial style. I'll be honest with you. I haven't talked to my friends who work at the company in a long, long time. At least about this. But this culture seems pervasive. And there's a lot of the fandom that has a big blind spot towards the fact that Tony isn't building stars in this company. He's not. You have marketable stars here to headline a pay-per-view if you wanted to. You could have Mox, who is headlining this next pay-per-view. You have MJF, you have Punk, and you have Danielson. Maybe Kenny in the right situation. But I'm going to give you a uh, statistic here that even I didn't know at the time, and, and this shocked me. Let me drag it up here on the old X.com, of which I am a, still a member. Hangman Adam Page. The young hope, young marketable headliner. Last singles match, house show in May. Last televised singles match, Revolution in March on pay-per-view. Last free televised singles match before Rampage tonight, a two-and-a-half-minute squash against Brian Keith, who has a gimmick perfect for a hangman feud, and they didn't even build a short one, two-week feud with it. Bounty Hunter gimmick, perfect. Cowboy. Love him. But Adam Page's last singles match on free television was February 15th of this year. Other than that, it's been multi-person tags. Etc, etc. Kenny Omega, since saying he was not going to do trios matches anymore to concentrate on solo matches and his solo career, has now been in two trios matches on two big shows. And blood and guts. You know, I <laughs> I understand work-life balance. I understand people get a lot of time off. But your star should be on TV every week. 
and your stars should be in programs that matter every week. And if the program doesn't matter, you should ditch the program and find one that does. You know, I'm I'm big on squash matches and promos, but those promos are about programs that matter. That's why I like them. I just, I don't see, I like to say Tony can't cook. Has a lot of great ingredients. Uh, someone brought up that, you know, Jeff, Jeff sees he has the ingredients and, and Tony likes to microwave them, which is also partially true. He likes that two-week cram-for-the-test pay-per-view build. But overall, I don't see them building this next generation at all. It, it's It's almost disturbing to me especially after you watch this dynamite this past week and you see all the work they put into Sammy Guevara being a babyface is now going to be wasted possibly, or we're just going to have Chris Jericho turn every week, babyface heel, babyface heel until Chris decides which movie he wants to rip off for his next character. That's pretty much the cycle we're in right now. Jungle boy has been, pushed back to a pre-show match while we figure out what his gimmick is. Darby's Darby. Darby is uh, the closest thing they have to a young star to me, other than MJF. His style does not uh, constitute trust in putting the big belt on him, I don't think. And we don't know if he's serious about wanting to stay in wrestling, because... You know, I'm, I'm sure Tony knows, but we don't know. And it, it, it's it's one of those things where the guys who are reliable are the guys they've mostly brought in from other companies right now. And that's, that's not something that bothers a lot of AEW fans because they're like, uh, you know, Adam Cole, he was so mistreated in WWE and they wanted to make him a uh, manager. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll see if he's treated better here. It, it's I don't know. It's a problem to me, and and I think they're gonna have to address it. They're gonna have to address the punk problem. I know there's a lot of people that think if punk's gone, this all goes away, and I I am not of that opinion. I think you have a lot of guys who were not uh, very on anybody's radar before AEW. And they are starting to look at their careers as they get into their 30s or near their 30s and going, when do I get the star run? And they're getting the confidence in themselves to speak up for themselves. Now, don't get me wrong. You have malcontents. You, you'll have your Andrades. You'll have your punks, et cetera, et cetera. But you got to wonder about a guy like Wardlow, who is in his mid-30s and is sitting at home. Creative has nothing for him. A guy like Keith Lee, who, you know, is off and on on AEW television, sometimes relegated to fighting with Dustin. His ex-tag team partner is getting a title shot at the Ring of Honor TV title on the AEW pay-per-view that Keith Lee isn't even on. We'll talk about that in our preview. But there's a lot of guys growing ripe on the vine And 
yeah, there's a lot of them who are just like, hey, I'm making a great living. I don't have to work a lot. I don't have to travel. I don't have to work the road. A lot of them are taking advantage of that, perhaps a little bit too much at times. And I'm all about getting paid. But you have to look at that and then think that there are some people who might be going, I thought I'd be a much bigger deal by now, four years in to AEW, and I'm still in the same position I was. And the roster is bigger. And the guys who are getting taken care of are guys who may not have been here when I started. And they may start developing a bit of a rebellious personality. So I think I think it's a bigger problem than people think. But a lot of people disagree with me. Uh, let me know what you think. Join, join the Voices of Wrestling Discord. Join the Shake Them Ropes channel. I like getting feedback that way. Uh, no, won't be there that often, but I will be. In other news, John Cena returning tonight on SmackDown. We'll be back until the end of the writer's strike and the Screen Actors Guild strike. Now, he is being brought in to do the big India show. That is true. I kind of view this as scabbing. Gotta be honest. I know that, uh, look, Cena's a brand. Cena is multi, 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 multi-millionaire many times over. Does not need to worry about the pithy opinions of people like me who got featured extra status, etc. But he needs something to do. He needs the income. And he can fall back on wrestling. I don't fault him for it necessarily. I just, I think this is a, I need to be in the spotlight to keep my career hot. And while everybody else is out there picketing, I have a side hustle over here I can do. I can't fault him for it. Uh, he has a movie out on Hulu, I think it is, uh, the sequel to uh, Vacation Friends. He can't plug that because it was made by one of the studios under AMM, AMPTP. And it it is a well-known Hollywood uh, cliche, uh, out of sight, out of mind. So he's going to stay in the spotlight if he can. I, I mean, you look at Dwayne, and and Dwayne is uh, Dwayne is is trying to steal headlines too with uh, giving to the uh, SAG fund, and now with Oprah starting a fund for everybody else to give money to Maui. I I can't knock the hustle, but the moment that everybody goes back to work. Cena's back to work, too, as if nothing happened. And he's a star. You can do those things. Again, like I was saying in the punk thing, there are different rules for stars versus the rank and file, most of whom don't even make enough to qualify for health insurance for SAG-AFTRA. But, hey. According to Fightful, the authors of Pain may have actually been under contract with WWE since 2022. Hasn't been confirmed anything, but uh, they were told, quote, 
it was before Vince McMahon came back because that put a halt on all signings besides new recruits. They were actually on the internal travel list as far back as May. They haven't wrestled a match since being released back in 2020. And they tried to set up that one shot in uh, Germany, I believe it was, in 2022, and that all fell through. Uh, interesting. Also interesting to note, uh, we spoke to the people that they spoke to, they being Sean Ross Sapp, uh, said that AOP made sure that Paul Ellering was heavily involved in negotiations. Ellering is one of those types who really did manage the people that he managed. Uh, does have some knowledge of investing and taking care of people's money, and I haven't heard that he ripped off Hawker Animal. <laughs> they seem to be fairly well off uh, until their their passings. I like the AOP. I love me a big old Hoss team like that. I've been clamoring for someone to sign them. I just it, it's it's a skill that atrophies and. It's not like AOP had been doing it a long time and were skilled professional wrestlers before they got cut after just what a disastrous program that thing was with, with Seth Rollins. It really was. It was, it was almost as if they brought them up, had no ideas for them, just decided to stick them with Seth and move on. And it was, it was really gimmick malfeasance or, career malfeasance on WWE's part. But, you know, that was also a Vince call. Vince no longer there. Again, my theory has always been that Triple H wanted to do right by all his people. That got called up and fired. And so he signed, he signed almost everybody back. I'm trying to think, well, maybe the Ascension were the only ones he didn't re-sign. God bless Rick Victor. Love that dude. Just the best. If you ever heard his up, up, down, downs, they're the best because he's profane and dark and funny and great. I don't think he's, he might have been, he might be wrestling some smaller indies. I got to look him up one of these days. I'm not going to do that on the air. Uh, Connor, of course, is uh, over in Impact. Speaking of which, Jordan Grace appears head back to Impact. He will be, uh, re-debuting on September 9th. And I think that's their 1,000th show. I apologize. I don't keep up with Impact as much as I should. I know I should keep up with the news. I should take better notes, but I didn't here. I am shocked that Jordan Grace was not picked up by AEW. She seems like a great fit for AEW. She actually seems like a better fit than you'd think for WWE. Now... The reason I say that is because both Hunter and Vince are bodybuilding marks and her transformation story would be phenomenal for their television and the type of women that they like to get over. Is she six foot blonde and hot? No. <laughs> and we know that's Vince's type. But I I I'm a little shocked that neither company took a flyer. AEW needs all the help in their women's division they can get. Because I it's it's so funny. God bless her. Sam Shipman, who I work with over at Fight Game, always, always trying to get something out of Tony. 
to say, yes, I will take better care of this women's division. But I think Tony doesn't like women's wrestling all that much. Got to be honest with you. I think he appreciates it. I don't think he likes it. That's a difference. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. And you look at this, that, that, that division, Chris Statlander wins that title. They do, they're doing nothing with her. Jade Cargill's gone. Brit's still Brit. I mean, Brit, you can always just heat up whenever you need her. And she's going to carry that division. Their youngins are okay. Willow, much better than Sky Blue. But Willow's all... I don't know if I... I don't know if I'd go that far. I was going to say she's all entrance. I like Willow Nightingale. I am not as high as others are on her potential to be a star that can carry the division. Um, <clears throat> Her promos need some work as well. But who's don't these days? The Outcasts are the Outcasts. Tony Storm's doing great work there. They really need Jamie Hayter back, but who knows? Uh, Ruby is, of course, solid, etc. But uh, she'll be back on Impact, and she'll be teaming with <coughs> two legends of Impact, whose feud I absolutely adored. Gail Kim and Awesome Kong will be wrestling a 10-woman tag on that same show. And I'm here for that. I think Gail Kim is uh, perhaps the most underappreciated female wrestler of the modern era. Mickey James, possibly a close second. I know, look, the Japanese Joshi fans, you know, well, you didn't see so-and-so only wrestle for two years and six-star matches every time. I get that. I also view America as a much bigger pond. No offense to Japan and Japanese wrestling. Love me some Bull Nakano. Love me some uh, Monami Toyota. Love me the all-Japan women of 1990 and 91. I will never say that the women of today are better than that. I'm not that much of a fool. WWE has a strong women's division now, and a lot of it is because Gail Kim was an actual wrestler. Mickey James was an actual wrestler. Lita got better. Trish Stratus vastly improved. And both of those two were stars. But Mickey and Gail and Molly Holly and that crew on that second tier of stardom were the foundation. It's a lot like Bailey right now, who isn't as big a star, but she is the workhorse of that division, propping up the people who they want to be stars or they're trying to be stars. But um, that'll be an interesting match. Uh, I believe on the other side is like Deanna. I think Angelina loves being brought in for one. I know Trinity's on the, on the baby face side. Uh, Impact. Impact has the second best women's division in wrestling behind in, in North America behind uh, WWE. I mean, any division with EO, it's going to be great. Rhea Ripley is, of course, phenomenal. We'll talk more about that in the payback. Uh, <laughs> preview. I forgot the word preview. That's just weird. I'm getting old. I've done a lot of audio this week, kids, so it's one of those things where I'm almost tired of talking about things. But uh, I'm here nevertheless. Uh, announced today, Dennis Rodman 
appearing on Collision on Saturday. He is in town doing StarCast with Conrad. Conrad doing AEW is solid, getting Rodman on the show. We'll see if Collision exists after Saturday. <laughs> Between Punk and whatever Rodman might do on live TV, I assume it might be something to do with Ricky Starks because the rumor right now, because Punk and Ricky Starks were set to have a strap match or a belt match on collision. CM Punk's status unknown could be cleared before the show if the quote-unquote investigation comes to an end. The rumor is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, 70 years old, will be working Ricky Starks. Which is fascinating given that Ricky Steamboat would not do Ric Flair's last match for fear of it looking bad on his end. I could see Rodman. Uh, I don't know if Rodman would be willing to take belt shots without getting heat back. Rodman is a free spirit <laughs> who might go into business for himself at some point. But my my thinking is he would be involved with that, or he'd be the conduit to whoever is going to be in there. Now, the other idea, of course, was Hangman Page, which could you imagine Phil, who also, one thing I did not bring up, reportedly Maya might have just been yelling at Tony that he quit before he went out for his match in Wembley. Hangman taking over for CM Punk. I can see that going one of two ways, very poorly. Or that might be, and this is only 5% of my thinking, 95% of this Phil's going to blow a gasket and, uh, and it's going to be very bad for the rest of his tenure in the company because of that choice. It, it could be a peace offering in a way. Hey, Hangman stepped up when I couldn't go. Maybe it starts to build a bridge. I'm kind of uh, kind of smirking because I don't believe that to be true at all. But there is a minor optimist in me at times. It's foolish, but there's a minor optimist in me. Uh, and uh, that'll do it for the news portion. Now the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Whatever I watched. <laughs> this is where I kind of need help. Uh, whatever is going on, you know, just whatever my thoughts are. Uh, we'll, we'll send them here. I have ice cold takes on all in. I have uh, a preview of all out. I have a preview of payback I need to do. But I've been giving short shrift of late on this show to NXT. And I want to start with that because NXT was a solid professional wrestling show this week. A lot of character development. Did all hit? Not really. But uh, I am intrigued by this G1 style international heritage tournament thing that they're doing, the round robin. With international talent. With the help of uh, one Peter Dunn, a.k.a. Butch, coming down to be the main roster star. 
the Charlie Dempsey match was fantastic. Didn't realize we're calling Charlie Dempsey from America because I thought he was British, but maybe I am wrong on that. Maybe mom's American, <laughs> dad's British. I thought uh, what they're doing with Carmelo was pretty neat this week. The Creed brothers, of course, are uh, are fantastic feats of strength guys. Interesting uh, psychology with the cage. They bring out the uh, the schism Jabberwockies dance troupe to take out one of them. Uh, Brutus comes. I always get Brutus and Julius mixed up. Brutus is the tall one. Julius is the stout one, right? Or it's the other way around. Well, anyways, cage door gets ripped off. Diet are solid. I, you know, I love me the, I love the grizzled young vets. I hope they get signed somewhere quick so that they can go back being what they, what brought them to the dance. Cause I hate the schism gimmick, to be honest with you. I'm here for the Thea Hale, JC Jane pairing. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And goes my thing. I thought the women did a, Pretty damn good job uh, given levels of experience in that four-way. Shock that Kiana James, as we call her, the porn businesswoman. Uh, secretary, still in Brazil. Don't know if she's coming back. Kind of miss her. Uh, <laughs> very good at Instagram. Learning English. Uh, anywho. Surprise, we're going to have a heel-on-heel -heel feud, but uh, I believe the common thinking is that Becky Lynch is going to show up in NXT to challenge Tiffany and that Kiana James will be a means to an end to that. That's fine. I worry a little bit about Roxanne Perez. I think she's the one. I think she's a superstar. And I think they think, wow, she's just really good and she's really young, and they don't know what to do with good... Remember, they don't know what to do with straight-ahead babyfaces in WWE. And they also get nervous about bringing people up too soon if they're very, very young. Thea Hales, Roxanne Perez's, you know, the men, they want to be 21 before they get up there. You know, Austin Theory was, what, 20... I think. Don't know how old Grayson Waller is, but uh, they don't like bringing them up too young because the party atmosphere, etc., etc. You know. The temptations of the road, as they call them. But Roxanne Perez is special. And you don't Stars don't come around every day. And when you get them, you got to push them to the moon. Ready or not. And I think this is one of those times when age is going to work against someone like Roxanne. I think we're going to have to go through a god-awful Roxanne Perez heel run at some point. Uh, and I think... She's going to be a boring baby face for a long time. Because you can already see what they're doing with her. They're doing the uh, 
almost dishonest babyface thing where she'll just start talking then punch somebody kind of a thing because they need to find interesting way or they need to find ways to keep her interesting and that's that's trouble uh what else happened oh trick williams is uh oh i know Ilya dragonoff is my favorite wrestler right now he's just <laughs> i am hoping that this long walter title run is going to be stopped by a debuting Ilya Dragunov. I'm not sure if that would be the program I would do. I'd actually, Ilya Dragunov is one of those guys where the losing streak works for him. And that that's what I'd be interested in. I'd be interested if they could do a losing streak with him and then he eventually beats him. But I mean, you could do that with Chad Gable right now on the main roster if you wanted to for payback. So Von Wagner cut a very good promo. He ain't his dad. His dad was a charisma machine. I watched uh watch his old man wrestle as uh Blake Beverly this weekend. I recorded some video about uh last time there were two pay-per-views within a week. Uh Survivor Series 91 and this Tuesday in Texas. You can find that on Fight Game Media on the Double G show. Myself, Garrett Gonzalez, and Scott Young, who was two in nineteen ninety-one. I was not two. We talked a bit about that, thinking behind it. Uh, it was a fun show. Also, uh, man, WWF in 91, Hossfest. And they all worked a very basic style, and it wasn't tough at all. And it was uh, it, it was interesting to watch that. It, you forget because, like, you guys will learn this as you get older. Some of you, if you're still young and you're listening to this show. <laughs> this show may age you at some times, but you think that everybody's watched what you've watched, and then you realize, my God, you're getting older and everybody else is getting younger, and they haven't watched any of that. Like Undertaker in the early nineties. No, they, nobody watched that really. It's it's uh, you know, at least if you're like in your twenties, maybe your early thirties. So I mean that was fun. I mean God, Mark Mark Callis was still Callaway was still a baby at that time for the most part. But uh, yeah, no, that was a fun bit of audio. You should uh, go check it out. It's five bucks a month, and then you listen to me thoroughly deconstruct dynamite as, as one does. Um, all in. Getting to the ice cold takes on all in. As a an event was an unmitigated success largest in-person wrestling event ever. Can't take that away. Possibly did very, very well on pay-per-view. They were, I think Dave Meltzer was saying between 164 and 181,000, which would be very, very good for them. I think it'd be actually an all-time high for them, to be honest with you. I, as for the event itself, for me and for my predilections, it did not feel like a great all-time event. It felt like a very good event. And all the matches were solid. There wasn't a stinker in the bunch, to be honest with you. But none of them hit, you know, hit that, oh my God, can you believe on the biggest night of wrestling, this transcendent match happened. None of them hit that point. Punk and Joe, Punk and Joe went out to put a show on. 
and by show I don't I don't mean a wrestling spectacle. I meant they they bits. They did bits. You know, the Hogan stuff, the Cena stuff, the the Samoa Joe hulking up. They were out there to kind of uh just play with each other for a while and and amuse the fans. There was nothing wrong with it. It was it was my second favorite match of the night. I I love I you know, I love both those guys. But it wasn't uh they weren't as Effie might say star hunting. Now there were other matches that were definitely star hunting and there are other matches that to me they were scripting those matches or putting those together thinking that they were going to get the certain crowd reaction that they just did not. Uh, Bullet Club Gold versus the Golden Elite, I thought was a bit of a mess. I like Bullet Club Gold a lot. Juice Robinson is just fantastic. Uh, but it was disjointed at times. And Kota Bushi, the time off has not done him any favors. Just leave it at that. FTR and the Young Bucks, to me, it didn't click until it went home. And then it was fantastic. But I thought it dragged, especially that spot where I believe it was Matt and Dax are doing the dueling different types of suplexes. And I think they were expecting, you know, this is wrestling or tag team wrestling or both these teams or fight forever. And it kind of plotted along there for way too long for me. It was a 21 minute match. It needed to be about five minutes less, I think. Uh, the story was they they were doing other tag team finishers or each other's, I believe. Um, it was a good match. It wasn't great. And I was hoping for great. And if that's the kind of disappointment I have, so be it. That's fine. Um, but, you know, I, I think the star ratings on this that came out, especially by other people, not necessarily Dave, but others, there's some great inflation going on here to me. Stadium Stampede, fun mess. little self-indulgent at times for my liking. The whole Penta needing to sell another action figure with the wardrobe change, the Sioux spot. Um, guys need to stay in character at all times because the cameras are getting closer and closer up to you and the microphones are picking up a lot more. That spot that... Uh, Ortiz and uh, Orange did through the table where they're both kind of laughing at, or was it Trent? I think it was Trent. Uh, where they're laughing with each other after they go through. Caught that on camera. Eddie Kingston is so fantastic as a presence, though. I just, that's what I want. I want 10 Eddie Kingstons in this match. But uh, no, it it was a fun car crash match. The problem is we have so many car crash matches with plunder in AEW that they don't feel special. They almost feel rote at times between blood and guts, parking lot brawls, anarchies in the arena, uh, stadium stampedes. There's one on, you know, almost every pay-per-view. And then there's also ones on free TV in between. And, you know, it almost becomes like that. What ECW became in 99 where instead of just being a repository for various types of wrestling to come in, its fame and its reputation became 
guys who weren't very good hitting each other with crap. That's what it was. I mean, it was it became the hardcore garbage federation, and you didn't want that out of ECW. Some people did. Don't get me wrong. I was not one of them. It kind of, you know, after the after both big companies raided ECW, it just became kind of a, uh, this is sad for me, but they're trying, you know, these characters and, you know, you had Raven and Tommy dreamer and you know, all of them, but it, the TNN era of ECW does nothing for me. How about you? Tell me in the discord. Uh, the women's four way was pretty damn good. I thought I love the end of that match. Uh, Soraya getting the expected hometown uh, legend victory. I thought she was going to lose it on Saturday, but uh, she is not on the card. My favorite match, coffin match. Love this match. <laughs> Just this was it's a joy. It's a match that felt like it had some, uh, some, uh, some stank on it, so to speak. It felt like the guys were fighting, and I loved it. Uh, Osprey and Jericho, that's the one I feel was overrated. Somebody gave four point four and three quarter stars. I'm like, that is not Sean, Undertaker, Bailey, Sasha, things that barely missed five star range. That is that is great inflation where you give six stars to great matches now. That is not a that is not anywhere close to a five star match. Still fun. Jericho. Look, Jericho did not go out there and do an Will Ospreay match, which was my fear. But he's still Chris Jericho in his 50s. And Ospreay's great. Uh, the the six-man, no holds barred, the acclaimed, our crowd pleaser. And you knew it was going to happen. The, yeah, people got what they want out of it. So, cool. And then MJF and Am Cole. Uh, how do I put this? Didn't say I hated it. I kind of knew what was going to happen in the pre-show. It did. I kind of called what was going to happen in this match. A lot of cheating. I, I had some disagreements with friends online about this and we wrote about it and, uh, it seems that they're going to go with that. They're really friends storyline, even though I still don't believe it. <laughs> like I, I, I don't believe that in the moment of triumph, either of these two guys would hold back on each other, you know, rings, title belt hits, whatever. Uh, there's a little bit of stretching a credulity there with uh, Bryce taking the Panama sunrise. It was fun. It gave the people what they wanted. They got the happy ending. But it just did not feel like a transcendent pay-per-view to me. <laughs> Compared to All Out, uh, which is not All Out. It's more like half-assed. But <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it, it was It was a good pay-per-view. It was not a great pay-per-view. It's not. It's not still at the level of. Uh, God, what was it? was it? Was it last year's All Out, or maybe two years ago All Out? Whatever it was, the one where you had Dragon coming in and Cole coming in, and 
See, I've watched a lot of pay-per-views, kids. I, I don't know them all by heart, and I know somebody's yelling at their phone or saying, you're such an idiot. You don't remember the greatest pay-per-view of all? No, I don't. I, I barely remember what I had for lunch yesterday these days. I'm old. Forgive me. Uh, the MJF Cole team is going to continue as kind of passive-aggressive, but then again, so is Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, which was just ridiculous booking in so many ways, and it feels like Jericho pitched, hey, what if we do a heel version of that? I could, I could, I could picture that. I thought Dynamite was a mess. It was. And look, I get that there were travel issues coming from uh, England. There are people who wanted to go to Bray's funeral. There's an outbreak of COVID still going. But that's what happens when you cram for the test. And you can't get to everything you want because you didn't study hard enough. We needed this card done before all in, and it wasn't. And so this did not feel like a great go-home show to me. Cassidy and Mox, great program. Looking forward to that. But other than that, you, know, you got a lot of slapshot stuff here. Stuff that doesn't make sense. But uh, now let us preview it. Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. I think I just hacked that. Katsuyori Shibata, Jeff. Katsuyori Shibata versus the Black Bull Combat Club of Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. Tag team match. Announced 20 minutes after Dynamite went off the air. Womp womp. When Kingston would be such a welcome, welcome presence at any time on these shows. Uh, I think this is the setup final battle. I think Shibata and Yuta will probably face each other for uh, whatever belt, the pure belt. And then Kingston and, and Claudio, probably for, for for both those titles at some point. But uh, yeah, I, I expect uh, I expect Eddie Kingston to pin Claudio here to get the win to set up that match. Luchasaurus with Christian Cage actually defending the AEW TNT Championship versus Darby Allen. I can see a split of Lucha and Christian Cage after this. Uh, but I think Darby's getting the TNT title. Match I'm most looking forward to. Big, meaty men, slap and meat, hoss fight, hose me, whatever you want to call it. Miro versus powerhouse Hobbs. I could see Miro and Hobbs becoming a hoss team out of this match. Get QT down there with Aaron Solo interfering, doing all their crap. And these two guys just stop having it and beat the crap out of them. Now, I don't know if that's before Hobbs pins Miro, but I think Hobbs pins Miro, possibly. And then that happens. And I'm fine with I'm fine with those two going after FTR. That'd be a fantastic match. Chris Statler versus Ruby Soho, fairly straight ahead. They love Statlander. She has shown me nothing in terms of promo or personality ability. Maybe taking away the alien gimmick was a mistake. I'm just going to put that out there. But they've done nothing with her as champion either since she's been there. She's been teaming with Willow. She's been teaming with Sky Blue. You know, she she had the, Mer I think she had a Mercedes Martinez match. But you know, are, are they pushing her as a star or are they putting her on TV occasionally? They're putting her on TV occasionally. Uh, Jade Cargill is missed all of a sudden. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita. 
love that segment on dynamite that was the nice touch was the uh, x-ray said tyson smith so i don't know if those were his real x-rays or not but either way i liked the touch i think Takeshita has to win this but again do you view kenny omega as a star that you're going to put on top. Now, you can heat them up at any time. That's not the problem. But I I would love Takeshi to get a clean win. Like, like almost too clean. Like, no cheating. And then everybody's in shock that Takeshi won and hopefully kicks out of the one-winged angel. And that's how you really make him a star as opposed to, say, hitting him with a screwdriver or something and just getting cheap heat. I mean, it's rare... It's rare for heels to get clean wins, but when they do, it's something. And I think that would be a nice shot here. Bullet Club Gold taking on FTR and the Young Bucks in a tribe match. <laughs> so you tell me FTR was chasing around the Bucks, asking for the handshake after getting blown off in front of 80,000 people. Weak. Bullet Club Gold are perfect foils. I think Bullet Club Gold wins because I think they're probably taking the tag team titles off of FTR, even though there are other teams out there that I'd like. I'd love that Hobbs Mural team. Give me that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Jay White probably uh, he pins Dax. I think tonight or tomorrow on Collision. Maybe I'll take that back. No, 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 no. Because you got to keep the guns hot. I say a gun pins one of FTR. Let's go with that. Then we might have to revisit that feud. That'd be interesting, too. So let's let's do it that way. Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor. Again. Shane Taylor won a tournament on Ring of Honor. On Honor Club. Nothing said on AEW about that, really, in terms of highlight packages or whatnot. I don't watch Ring of Honor, so I don't really know who Shane Taylor is. He's a big guy. I watched a little bit of the team with him and Keith Lee, because that was towards the end of my Ring of Honor watching. It's very interesting that this isn't Keith Lee. There's buzzings about that... uh, Shane Taylor being on an AEW pay-per-view and Keith Lee not being on a pay-per-view might be sending a message. Might. But you have a lot of Ring of Honor matches on here, which is very also very just bad for AEW, in my opinion. The brand. Uh, better than you, Bay Bay, taking on the Battle Royal winners of the Dark Order. This is going to be fun. I would have much rather it been a team like the Outrunners, heels, comedic heels, that you could then have Cole and MJF do the kangaroo kick, and they sell like a million bucks for them. But Tony going to Tony, and Tony probably figures that the work rate's probably a little bit more important. I don't. I think the laughs would be more important here, and I think the Outrunners are fantastic. And they're the perfect team. You put this in the death spot. Between, say, oh, I I say you put it between the women's match and the main event, or Omega, Takeshita, and the main event, 
and uh and you know just a nice little uh a nice little sorbet cleanse the palate mjf gets his kangaroo kick double clothesline on turbo magnum or whatever truth magnum and turbo or i don't turbo Flo- turbo floyd and truth magnum so one of those two pin them everybody gets a big laugh out of the geek team getting beat and uh, we go home for the main event, which is going to be spectacular because Orange Cassidy is the wrestler of the year. I don't know if he's going to get Fez Flair over somebody in New Japan necessarily, or God, even Roman, if you wanted to do it that way, or Sammy. But loved his promo. Loved that. Loved he showed some passion for a title after Moxley goes, everybody has a title in this company or lots of worthless titles. Yeah, let's not draw attention to that, Mox. But I'm Orange Cassidy, and I don't have a catchphrase. It's a fantastic last line. It is. It it it's absolutely spectacular. Does the Orange Cassidy lose here? He, nobody's gonna get hurt either way. Win or lose. Moxley as international champion is interesting because he likes to do the international shows. He likes to be the traveling champion. He likes showing up at Indies, showing up at AEW tonight. Or last night. I, boy, I would, if you're taking the title off of Orange Cassidy, I would make him number one contender for the world title. I think you make him number one contender for the world title, even with the international title, to be honest with you. At least do a run. He's the hottest act you have. Moxley's solid, though. Moxley's a star. Moxley is a bankable headliner. And that's why he's in this position. I think the story has been well told, but I think the injuries have mounted, and I think John Moxley wins the international championship. And though there's a possibility of a Ricky Starks match being uh, being added here tomorrow night, there's a chance that Punk may get cleared sometime during AEW All Out and shows up in the United Center, which would be nice since he's the marketing behind it, or he's the guy they're marketing so that Chicago will come to the United Center as opposed to staying out at Hoffman Estates. No offense to the suburban people out there, rich crate. But uh, yeah, that's uh, all out. I uh, I will be interested to see what a back to back pay per view buy rate is, because I think a lot of AEW fans steal the pay per view. To be honest with you, um, but uh, I'll be interested in that. And then we'll end, uh, or I'll end. We, well, you and me. Although I can't hear you talking to me, and I'd love that because I like the conversation a lot better. Payback, Saturday night. All right for fighting up against this collision show. Six matches announced. Not a top-tier card, much like All Out. Holiday weekend, I assume they were planning for that. But uh, a good card, I think. One that might over-deliver. This is the type of card that could really... Where you're coming out of that going, man, every match on there was great, and I didn't think it would be. Starting with a steel cage match. Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. 
now look, we have to grade uh, we have to, we have to grade Trish on a curve. Uh, that sounds funny saying that. Mostly because of how they market Trish and uh, her curves. Anywho, Trish is a woman in her mid forties. Uh, Becky is going to be game. Is going to have probably a lot of interference by Zoe Stark in some ways, but I think this could be a lot of fun. Becky Lynch is going to win this because Becky Lynch is a star. And uh, I kind of hope that Trish Stratus goes away for a while. But there's rumors that there's other programs that uh, are on the table for her. But a steel cage match as a blow-off, much like the Terry Funk-Ric Flair I Quit match, it's a good button on at least this book of the career, and then you bring her back for something else later. You don't want to overstay her welcome. Again, she's a legend, but she's not in her prime. So, but uh, this will be fun, I think. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on the Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Damian Priest in a street fight for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. Yeah, this is going to be fun. This is going to be plunder. You know that Sammy and Kevin can do this. You know that uh, you know that Damian can do this quite well. And Finn's always game for this type of stuff. Is it the end of the Judgment Day? Yes. At least as we know it. Someone's getting thrown out. My opinion is they replace one Irishman with another, and J.D. McDonough takes over for Finn. I can see Damian Priest getting tired of this crap and leaving. But it'll be a fun, fun match, I think. Damian Priest still has the briefcase, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Oh, that might come into play later. Rhea Ripley, possibly the person doing the best work in WWE main roster right now in terms of character work and even in-ring in some ways, versus Raquel Rodriguez for the women's world title. I don't see Raquel getting this title. Although she's been uh, she's been doing pretty good work in, like, the NXT bit was fun. They need to kind of lay off the back and the smiling and really just give her something to do other than be big. But uh, this is close to a women's house fight as we can get in the WWE. And Raquel's fantastic. I mean, Rhea's fantastic right now. She's almost unstoppable. Uh, I think she doesn't win clean. I think Dom helps her to keep the heel aura. But uh, I got Rhea retaining here. Sip of the water. For the uh, United States title, Rey Mysterio, the champion versus Austin Theory. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they might just give it back to Theory so they can give it to Santos. I really don't want the LWO to turn on Rey Mysterio. I know that's Pollyanna thinking. I think Santos Escobar needs to be pushed a little bit harder over Ray. And it feels like they're half-assing his star push because Ray's the bigger star of the legend and gets more of the reaction. I think that's incorrect. I think you got to see what you got because Santos ain't a spring chicken. He's been around for a while, and he's great. Nova will tell you he's great. 
I'm going to say Austin Theory wins the title back here. Possibly with the help of Grayson Waller. It's going to be a lot of screw job stuff here. Singles match, LA Knight versus The Miz. LA Knight's winning this. LA Knight should win this in about 20 seconds to make up for the uh, vignette, to make up for the thing they did tonight where Miz, Miz obliterated him. Uh, the people want him to be stone cold and he's getting his butt kicked too much. And there's that fear that they might eventually turn on LA Knight in terms of being a tough guy. This one's easy though, guys. They're going to be cheering for him. Don't even let that those cheers cool down. Let him hit his finisher one, two, three out of there. Simple. Then Seth freaking Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Man, they have made, they finally figured out Shinsuke this long into the, uh, into, into his tenure there. So let him talk in Japanese mostly and be evil and be mysterious and be a badass. It's all you need. Wow. What a, what a shot. Somebody give Triple H some New Japan tapes. Um, Shinsuke, when he's motivated, is fantastic. Still, Seth's always motivated. He's loving this gimmick. I think Shinsuke loses, but I think uh, Damian Priest uh, cashes in here. If he hasn't already. <laughs> I don't think he has, but I've only kind of been half-assed paying attention to, to Raw because I'm just so tired of watching wrestling from over the weekend that I haven't. Uh, let me take a look here real quick. Uh, I don't have, uh, don't have as, doesn't look like he's become, uh, cashed in. Nope. Hasn't yet. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Didn't want to mislead anybody there. But, uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think Damian Priest comes out as holder of the, uh, of the consolation title. And, uh, and I think it's a nice, Looks like it'll be a nice under two hour, two and a half hour pay-per-view if they want it to be. Get in, get out. Don't overstay your welcome. And all out? I don't know, man. All out on paper. It's that thing where you go, those will be good matches. But if I were traveling, I'd be pissed at that card. But uh, I think the main event will make everybody happy in some way. Uh, you know, it'll be a great match. So that might be the last thing people remember. So that'll be fun. But uh, this is solo audio. And I've been talking for a long time. And uh, I usually like to have conversation. And I didn't want to drag in somebody and then have Nove show up because I'm on a Zoom call and he could always pop in at any time. Uh, But uh, hopefully he'll be back next week. I'll talk to you next week. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. Uh, I am, again, on Fight Game Media. I do the Dynamite show every Wednesday, about 20 minutes. We uh, we go on YouTube Live and then drop the audio the next day for five bucks a month. Be appreciated if you uh, you uh, followed along. Lots of great shows over on that network. Lots of great shows on Voice of Wrestling. Welcome to Mike and JD, who came over from Fight Game over here to Voice of Wrestling. They have a great show. And they do a lot of extra content on their Patreon. I highly encourage you guys to uh, support them as well. Uh, Chris Novembrino is over on Instagram at 
D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. That is Dr. Nove. He gives guitar lessons. DM him for rates. Uh, he's living his life and showing his uh, driving of a gondola up a mountain. And I believe he rode on top of the gondola today in what is usually a hazing ritual of some type with new employees. So might have been out celebrating after that. Who knows? But uh, lots of wrestling this weekend. Pace yourselves. You had a lot of wrestling last weekend as well. Go enjoy this last weekend of summer. First of the fall, and here she comes back. Sly and the Family Stone. Talk to you next week. Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.